Chapter Three of Rebellion by Joseph M. Patterson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. George's desk was in a rectangular room, which was over one hundred feet long and half as wide. There was light on three sides. Near the ceiling was a series of little gratings, each with a small silk-aligned American flag in front of it. These flags were constantly fluttering, indicating forced ventilation, so that although the desks were near together and the place contained its full complement of busy people, there was plenty of oxygen for them. This arrangement was designed primarily for economic rather than philanthropic purposes. The increased average output of work due to the fresh air yielded a satisfactory interest on the cost of the ventilating apparatus, and besides it impressed customers favourably and had a tendency to hold employees. The office dealt in life insurance. The desks were mounted on casters so that they could be wheeled out of the way at night while the tiled floor was being washed down with hose and long-handled mops and brooms and sometimes sand as sailors holystone a deck. Much of the hands and knees scrubbing was in this way done away with. Rubber discs hinged against the desks and set to the floor held them in place during working hours. Narrow black right angular marks showed where each desk belonged and to what point exactly it must be moved back when the nightly cleaning was finished. These details were all of profound interest to Georgia for her desk was the most important thing in the world to her at this time in her life. She delighted in neatness, order, precision, in the adjustment of the means to the end. Every morning just before nine she punched the clock, which gave her a professional feeling, and hung her hat and jacket in locker thirty-one, which seemed to her a better, a more self-respecting place for them to be than her small, untidy bedroom closet, all littered up with so many things, hers and Jim's. Her mother, who kept house for them, was a good deal at loose ends, in George's opinion, and it didn't seem quite the decent thing that a woman who had nothing else in the world to do should fail to keep a six-room flat in order. Of course her mother was getting a little old, but hardly too old to do that. Georgia had lately had a trial promotion to take the general agent's letters, the previous functionary, a tall blonde girl, having married very well. It was the first stenographic position in the office and carried the best salary, so there was a good deal of human jealousy about it, much the same as freshmen feel who are out for the class eleven. Georgia had tried her hardest for five days. She had stayed overtime to rewrite whole pages for the sake of a single omitted letter, she had bought half a dozen severely plain shirt-waists, and yielded up her puffs. Everyone knew how the old man hated the first sign of nonsense. But in spite of all that, the day before he had called in Miss Gerson to take his dictation. Well, it was pretty hard, but she had done her best. And she was a better workman than Miss Gerson. She would stick to that. Only yesterday she had seen Miss G. twice hunting in a pocket dictionary hidden in her lap, and she never had to do that, practically. Life was just one damn thing after another, as Jim was always complaining, only he could never possibly have apprehended the full truth and implication of that saying, in spite of its rather common way of putting it. 
she knew that he never saw deeply really fundamentally into the dreadful mystery of being here he couldn't for he was coarse and masculine and he drank her fingers were working rapidly casting up purple letter after purple letter before her eyes but the physiologists tell us that she was using only the front part of her brain for it the rest of it was free to contemplate the ultimate purpose or gross favouritism in the office especially in relation to miss gerson or whether an ice-cream soda was a silly thing to have before lunch as she knew it was but then one had to have some pleasure rat-a-tat-tat went the keys ding there was her bell ten letters more on this line said the front part of her brain one thing she was sure of said the back she devoutly hoped her young brother al wouldn't develop into a mere white-collared clerk though of course she certainly wanted him to be always a gentleman she slid her carriage for the new line rat-a-tat-tat and again ding there the end of the page single space and not an error she would like to see miss gerson do that at her speed the shuffle of the old man's office boy sounded behind her now wait what would today's verdict be would he pass or stop miss connor ah uh, the old man wants you to take some letters georgia had let them suppose she was unmarried the benison of perfect peace now enfolded her poor little miss gerson well after all life is a game the loser pays and the winner can be perfectly philosophical about it georgia went to the old man's private office and closed the door behind her yes sir she stood at attention pad and pencil ready will you take these please miss connor mr james service here's his address the old man tossed the letter he was answering over to her dear sir replying to yours of the sixteenth inst we regret that well tell him it's impossible write the letter yourself you understand he was observing her as if to probe her resourcefulness perfectly sir miss belmont saved me a great deal of trouble in that way she could tell what i want to say miss belmont was the blonde girl who had married and left a vacancy i can do the same sir well here are some more continued the old man this no he tossed another letter to her she made a shorthand notation in the corner of it this by all means and be polite about it this an appointment to-morrow afternoon yes sir this routine and these send them to the proper departments more notations yes sir you can start on those bring them in when they're ready yes sir exit georgia she summoned the deeper layers of her vitality settled to her work and her fingers flew she knew the joy if joy it be of creation quietly she slipped back into the old man's office without knocking his secretary had entrance except at such times as he shut his telephone off she seemed very slim and neat and calm and steady almost prim perhaps as she stood with pen and blotter in her hand to take the old man's signatures but her being surged within her like that of a mother who waits to hear if her boy is to be expelled from school or forgiven 
the old man had been going over a campaign plan for business with one of his quickest-witted solicitors and after georgia had waited standing for a few moments dismissed him with yes that's the right line stevens just keep plugging along it as stevens passed her on his way out he bowed slightly he had been doing that for some time now though he had not yet spoken to her stevens was still under thirty she concluded though she had heard he had been with the company for ten years a silent sharp-featured tall young fellow with chilly blue eyes who had the name in the office of keeping himself to himself and being all business the old man having glanced over and signed the letters passed his verdict on the work hmm hmm miss connor you may move your things to miss belmont's desk and here's a note when an author conquers a stage manager or atchison rises four per cent the very next day or the cubs batted out in the tenth on a darkening september afternoon when on the third and last trial it's a boy or when handsome harry matinee returns you his curled likeness signed or you first sip may wine you know what it is to move your things to miss belmont's desk and here's a note continued the old man without the gap which we have made to put in analogues to mr edward miles i'd better dictate this one myself dear mr miles i should be happy to have you call no strike that out in response to your letter of even date i should be glad to see you at any time that suits you here in my office no make it three o'clock to-morrow afternoon to confer over the subject of the senatorial campaign in your district read what you've got georgia did so the old man changed his eyeglasses maybe you'd better telephone him instead he said it's ed miles the politician you can probably locate him at yes sir i know suggested georgia and get mr summers on the phone mr summers does some of our legal work yes sir and ask him to be here at the same time make a note of it on my list of appointments yes sir tell him miles is coming and to get up a little resume for me of the situation in those districts over there and ah uh, perhaps an estimate in a general way of what we ought to do for ah uh, mr miles you will indicate that to him yes sir well telephone him that georgia rose and went to the door um miss connor she turned and looked at her employer her head tilted forward with a peculiar open-eyed steady little stare which was a trick of hers when wholly interested did i indicate to you said he that you are my private secretary now i understand sir thank you End of chapter 3